You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Folks, and welcome to episode 106 of the Let's Talk Photography podcast. I'm your host, Bart Bouchotts, and this is the show for July 2022. It is a solo show again this month. Um, kind of hard to get guests in the middle of what the, the news industry called the silly season in the middle of summer. People go on holidays and such things. Uh, so I'm going to talk to you about something that's been niggling away in the back of my mind for a while. And that came leaping right into the foreground of my mind with a piece of news this week. So there was a report from uh, Nikkei, who are a pretty reputable Asian news outlet with very good sources in the tech world. And Nikkei reported that Nikon are to stop developing digital single lens reflex DSLR cameras. Although they're going to keep producing the models they have on the go at the moment and they're going to keep selling them for a while, and they're going to keep supporting them for a while. No idea how long, but basically, the shiniest DSLR that exists today from Nikon, which is the D6, which is already two years old, it was released in 2020, that will be the shiniest DSLR Nikon ever make. The article ends by noting that Canon also haven't released new DSLRs in two years, uh, they released a flagship EOS 1D Mark III back in 2020, and also the same year, the latest sort of consumer-end camera, the EOS 850D. So since 2020, neither Nikon nor camera have released a new DSLR. And now Nikkei are reporting that Nikon are just not doing that anymore. They're not developing any new models. Now, Nikon were very, very quick to get a press release out, and their press release doesn't contradict a single thing that Nikkei actually said. I'll read Nikon's press release. There was a media article regarding Nikon's withdrawal of SLR development. This media article is only speculation, and Nikon has made no announcement in this regard. Nikon is continuing the production, sales, and service of digital SLR. Nikon appreciate your continuous support. Now, notice they literally confirmed everything in the reporting, really. Or at the very least, they didn't contradict a single solitary word of the reporting. So the article was withdrawing Nikon's SLR development. They don't say the article is wrong. They don't say this isn't happening. They say the article is only speculation and we have nothing announced. Okay, that's, that is not a denial. That is not even slightly a denial. They then go on to make the positive statement that they are continuing the production, sales and service of digital SLRs i.e. exactly what uh, Nikkei were reporting. No new products, but they're going to continue making production and selling sales and supporting service of the existing lines. So in other words, basically, this confirms Nikkei's report. So it's pretty clear. The end of the single lens reflex world is upon us. And SLRs have kind of been... The big boy camera, if I may borrow a phrase from friend of the show, Alison Sheridan. He has a big girl camera, but I have a big boy camera. Um, you know, SLRs and more recently digital SLRs, DSLRs, have been king of the photographic hill for decades now. The, the, that is, if you see a serious photographer in quotes, the chances are extremely high they're shooting with some sort of SLR. So this 
begs the question, is this a big deal? Is the end of the SLR world a big deal? Well, if I'm going to be purely emotional and nostalgic, yeah. I mean, I I cut my photographic teeth on an Olympus OM-1, which is a film single-lens reflex camera. Beautiful piece of hardware. Um, thank you, Dad, for handing that down to me when you got your first digital camera. And amazing piece of kit. I, le- <clears throat> I learned so much on that camera. And then I became a teenager and gave up on everything and disappeared from photography for a decade or so. And then when I rediscovered photography, it was with Again, single-lens reflex cameras, but now they had become digital and I had moved on from Olympus, who weren't doing so well at the time, to Nikon. Uh, I started with a D40, which is a very much an entry-level DSLR, and then I moved on to the D5100, which is kind of a nice higher-level DSLR. But is that actually important? Yeah, I'm a bit nostalgic, but does it matter? No. What actually matters is whether or not the end of SLRs is going to do harm to the art and craft of photography. And I'm happy to say that I don't think it is, which is why the title of the show notes is sort of uh, intended to evoke the R.E.M. song. You know, it's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. I don't just feel fine, I feel really quite optimistic. But to understand why I am not... Not sad is the wrong word, because like I say, it's a bit nostalgic, but it's not a problem that the SLRs are going away. So to understand why, let's rewind in time and understand what it was that made the SLR such a hit, right? Why is it that the SLR became the workhorse of photography? Well, the original 35mm SLRs and their digital cousins, they brought quite a bit to the table when they first came out. So... The first thing just to explain, I guess, is SLR. What is an SLR? Well, it's a single lens reflex. So that means that there is a mirror mounted between the lens where the light comes in and the uh, focus plane, which is where the film or the sensor sits. So the prism is hinged on one of its top corners and it flips from 45 degrees to horizontal. So in its resting position, so when the shutter isn't open, the mirror is at 45 degrees, so the light comes in through the lens, bounces off the 45-degree mirror, and goes straight up, at which point it hits a prism, and that redirects the light by 90 degrees so it's horizontal again, and it also deals with the flipping effect of the mirror by unflipping the image, and it sends a correctly oriented image through the eyepiece. So when you're the photographer framing and focusing your shot, you're looking through the actual lens that the light is going to come through when it strikes your piece of film or your digital sensor. So what you see is what you get. And it's not upside down. It's not inverted left to right. What you see is what you get. Now, is that a big deal? Well, believe it or not, it really was in its day. Right? If you went back in time, you could basically pick one. You could either see through the actual lens that's going to take your image, or you could see things the right way around. But you couldn't have both. So you had rangefinder cameras, uh, which were also shaped like SLRs. They also came in 35mm variants. Uh, They were just a bit thinner, a bit skinnier. And they had a separate lens for framing your shot. So the lens you looked through and the lens that captured the image were not the same lens. Now, they were, you know, carefully tuned so that a lot of the time that didn't matter. But if you're shooting up close, there was a parallax effect. It wasn't perfect. And 
as you change your lens, the viewfinder didn't change. So, you know, you had to sort of know how far in the lens would crop. It, it, it was suboptimal, but it was at least flipped the right way around. The other choice you had would be a large body or a medium format body, in which case you would frame your shot by looking through the lens, but the image you would see would be upside down and or flipped left to right. So, like I say, you could either have the image correctly oriented, or you could look through the actual lens you're going to take your shot of, but you couldn't do both. So the SLR camera gave you both. That's that's a big deal. Right? What you see is what you get. The other thing is that since day one, SLRs have had standardized to the manufacturer lens mounts. So interchangeable lenses have always been one of the major features of the SLR world, right? You're, you know, your 35 millimeter format with your interchangeable lenses, that, that's SLR world. Speaking of that 35 millimeter format, that actually was in its early days synonymous with very small and portable cameras. And you might say, hang on, an SLR is a giant big clunky thing. Well, it is compared to a modern camera phone. But a 35mm SLR is absolutely not a clunky thing compared to the quote-unquote camera, you know, the cameras the quote-unquote real photographers were using, you know, in the early days of SLR, your medium and large format cameras. They were way bigger things that had to be on tripods. You couldn't shoot them handheld. Like, You know, that 35mm format that was a big deal. And of course, people scoffed at it and called it a toy until, well, lo and behold, it turned to be an amazing thing. And people like Henri Cartier-Bresson Cartier and um, Gary Winogrand did amazing work on 35mm. Though ironically, they both used uh, viewfinder cameras rather than uh, SLRs. But anyway, neither here nor there. So what was it that made the SLR the hit that it was? Well, what you see is what you get. Interchangeable lenses, small and lightweight. Okay. So, Nikon and Canon are moving away from SLRs. Are they stopping making cameras? No. Are they continuing to make mid-level point-and-shoot cameras? No, because that market is dead. That is what our phones are for, and our phones do it better than most of the cameras Nikon or Canon ever made. So, what are they focusing on? Well, the answer is so-called mirrorless cameras. So, if you imagine an SLR, and you take the mirror and the prism, and you throw them away, and you slide the lens closer to the sensor, because there's no film version of a single of a uh, mirrorless camera, you just bring the lens forward so that everything is closer together, and then instead of having a physical viewfinder with light bouncing off the mirror through the prism into your eye, you have a live stream from the actual sensor that's going to record your image presented to you either as a tiny little LED inside a little thing that looks like a viewfinder or just project it straight onto you know on a screen on the back of the device either way. You get a digital viewfinder in other words. Hey presto, you have a mirrorless camera. So doesn't worry actually yeah, I meant to say earlier, the reason that a an SLR camera goes click clunk is because the click is the mirror flipping up and the clunk is the mirror flipping back down. And uh, the reason you need to have like a digital sound effect on a mirrorless camera is because there is no mirror. There's nothing to clip up, nothing to clip down. Entirely in software. Um, your mirrorless cameras, well, they also come with standardized lens mounts for interchangeable lenses. In fact, they're more interchangeable because one of the mirrorless formats that's very common is Micro Four Thirds, which 
is not just interchangeable within a brand. You know, it's not just a Canon mount or a Nikon mount or a Sony mount. Micro, micro Four Thirds is interchangeable, period, between all the makers of Micro Four Thirds cameras. So it's actually become more interchangeable, the lenses. So yay! And well, like I said, when you take the mirror and the prism out, the camera becomes smaller. So it's actually small and lightweight. So basically, you know, the, the SLR was smaller and lighter than what came before, and the mirrorless is smaller and lighter than what came before. So basically, the mirrorless is the new SLR. Right? It, it does everything we need. What you see is what you get. Interchangeable lenses, small, compact, and portable. But actually, you get more. Right? It's not just that a mirrorless is a modern reinvention of the, the things that made the SLR great. It actually does things that an SLR never could, because obviously going digital brings along its own interesting things. Um, but before we get into the software things, just the physical act of simplifying the physical structure of the camera by removing the mirror and the prism, that makes mirrorless actually better cameras because with, when you had the mirror in the way, autofocus was actually kind of a tricky thing to do. So what you had to do is you had to make little mini holes in the mirror to let the light through while the mirror was down. And then that light had to be redirected into an autofocus array. And it was very easy for that autofocus array to get slightly misaligned, at which point your focus would be wrong. Basically, the autofocus would focus either a little bit too far back or a little bit too far forward of what's actually going to be in focus on the uh, sensor plane or the film plane. So it made the camera, well, basically it made them expensive to make because you had to get it very, very correct. And it also made them more prone to getting a bit messed up over time because you had this very, very sensitive alignment that had to stay very, very sensitively aligned. So you just take all that complexity out and now you have your focus pixel sitting right on your main sensor. You can also then throw AI at the problem because the main sensor is now catching the data used for autofocus or facial recognition, all those kind of cool things, tracking moving subjects. It's all way easier when you have the entire sensor at your disposal. So autofocus is just easier and more powerful when you're getting rid of the mirror. Obviously, I've already mentioned that getting rid of the mirror makes the camera physically smaller and more portable, but it also means that there's less distance between the lens and the focus plane, which means that your wide-angle lenses can become much, much smaller and lighter. So you can have a wide-angle zoom on a mirrorless that's way less clunky and cumbersome than, I mean, one of the biggest lenses I own for my, for my DSLRs is actually my 1020 um, zoom. It's not big in length. It's very big in width because it needs to cast that image over the film plane or the sensor plane that's so far back. Whereas if everything was just closer up, we wouldn't need such a physically large lens to get a wide angle view. So it really does make a difference for wide angle lenses. And I love wide angle. So that's kind of cool. And then finally, because the sensor drives the viewfinder, you can have a live preview. So if you're doing a long exposure shot at night, or you're doing some light painting, you're doing some star trails, you're doing some astronomical stuff, you can watch the image come into being in real time and close the shutter when it's ready. That's amazing. You can see a long exposure image being created in front of your very eyes. You can never do that in the SLR world. Because that mirror is in the way. So this is just... Actually, no, you probably could. Although you couldn't focus. Anyway. You don't have that feature on um, SLRs. 
We do have it on mirrorless. So basically, mirrorless is the new SLR. What we've done is we've replaced the mirror and the prism with electronics. And we have a camera that behaves from a from an art and craft point of view. A mirrorless camera is a DSLR. It's only from an engineer's point of view that it isn't. And, you know, engineers are very important and I greatly admire the amazing work they do to enable photography. But from a photographer's point of view, it doesn't matter a darn whether or not there's a mirror bouncing up and down or whether it's no mirror going straight at the sensor. From a photographer's point of view, the mirrorless camera is a better camera. So, yes, my emotional brain is a little bit sad and nostalgic that SLRs are going away. But, you know, apply grey matter, apply logic. No, this is only a good thing. It's it's high time that Nikon and Canon stopped wasting their time on an old technology. It'd be like, you know, car companies focusing on petrol cars as the future instead of looking to electric. It's just, technology's time has been and gone. It's got to be an antique. They're going to be fun toys, but it's over. SLR ha- served us really well for literally decades. Move over, SLR. Hello, mirrorless. Many, many, many more decades of fun photography to come. Right, well, I'm going to draw a line under it there. Um, you can find a written version of this argument, for want of a better word. I guess it is a polemic. Uh, over at letstalk.ie, which is where you always find the show notes. Uh, there's also links there to the Nikkei report, uh, Nikon statement, and some other news coverage, which sort of broader numbers in terms of just how small the SLR market has gotten in terms of units shipped per year. And also looking a little bit more at Canon, which obviously isn't the focus of Nikkei's report because they're, you know, Nikon was their source. And literally the, the Canon stuff in the Nikkei report is a one-liner, very last line. Um, so anyway, you'll find all that at lessashtalk.ie and you will find also in the sidebar next to the show notes a heading called support the show with great big blue buttons. And those big blue buttons, it's because people click on those that this show exists because there are no sponsors, there are no advertisers. This is a listener supported show. I have bills to pay every month and you guys basically are paying them. And that is amazing. And that is all I want from podcasting. And this is not a money-making exercise. This is a hobby that needs to pay for itself. And we're getting there. It is amazing. So Patreon is an amazing way to support the show. You pledge a small dollar amount. And every show I release, that amount of money is charged. And it's two shows a month, one Apple, one photography. So if you'd like to give me $5 a month, pledge two fifty per episode. Get the idea. Uh, and I basically, the Patreon money is used to offset my ongoing bills. There's also a PayPal button, and PayPal is terrible for taking small dollar donations, right? If you want to give me a dollar, two dollars, PayPal is a terrible way to do that, because PayPal fees from a dollar donation, I get 60 cent. 60 cent. All the rest of it goes to PayPal. Whereas if you give a $10 donation, say, 10 times less often through PayPal, then I get nine euro and something, or nine dollars and something. That makes up my currencies. So basically, PayPal is great for one-off Donations say $5 and more or five euros and more. And Patreon is an amazing way to support the show on an ongoing basis. And both are really, really valuable to me because there are times I need to buy new software. There are times I need to buy new hardware. My boom arm for my mic is getting a bit, I was going to say a bit long in the tooth, but the problem is actually the opposite. When I moved house, uh, I ended up with my desk in a different way. And basically my boom arm is too short. I have to lean forward way more than I'd like to, to record my podcast. So I'm going to be investing in a new boom arm when the PayPal money reaches, you know, sufficient. 
Uh, and then I'll become podcasting more comfortably, and it'll be entirely because you guys rock. And there's also some sort of updates. Uh, some of the apps I use are getting new versions. I'll be looking to upgrade those too soon, or those soon too. Anyway, thank you very, very much to everyone who has ever supported the show. Details at letstalk.ie. I've been your host, Bart Bouchard, so you can find me at bartb.ie. And until next time, happy snapping. You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Looking for a show that talks about Apple and Apple products? Then Geekiest Show Ever is for you. What about Amazon? Google. Geekiest Show Ever is for you. Mesh networks, distance learning, all kinds of technology, interviews. Yes, Geekiest Show Ever covers that too. I'm Elisa Paselli. And I'm Melissa Davis. Listen to the geekiest show ever on the MyMac Podcasting Network in your favorite podcast player. Feedback, show ideas, and reviews, always welcome. <laughs>